good afternoon. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Rebel News Daily Roundup. I'm your host today, uh, filling in for regular host David Menzies, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and I'm joined by my co-host in Quebec, Alexa Lavoie. Alexa, how's it going? You look great today, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I, it's probably because it's so cold here, so it's probably like why I look like fresh. <laughs> Rosy teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And what about now, you? Um, is it cold no. on your side? No, it's warm. It's warm for once. It's good. <laughs> it's like 24 degrees and sunny, and I'm confined to wow. the uh, my little dungeon in the basement here where I work all day. Um, but we should tell everybody what we're doing. The show is jam-packed. There's no possible way that we're going to get to everything today. Um, but as I said, this is the Rebel News Daily Roundup. It's normally hosted by my friend David Menzies. But we are undergoing some studio construction, and uh, so we're using remote hosts for a couple of days this week too. Uh, we thought things would be resolved by last week, but well, they're not, but uh, the show must go on. Um, and on the roundup, we talk about the day's news completely unscripted. It's a great chance for us as rebels to interact with each other. So I get to talk to Alexa about the news of the day, which is great because it gives us perspectives from you know different journalists from other sides of the country, but it also allows you to not only interact with your fellow rebels, fellow rebel watchers in the live chat, uh, either on YouTube or rumble, but it allows you to support the work that we do out of complete free will, <laughs> which is completely different than what Justin Trudeau does with the mainstream media. So if you are watching us on rumble, you can leave us a paid chat called a rumble rant on odyssey. It's called a hyper chat. And if you leave us one of those, we'll do our best to, uh, read those towards the end of the show. I know some of our other hosts, read them sort of as they come in, but I like to keep you around to the end. So if you want to leave us one of those, it supports the work that we do. It democratizes the show. You can have your say. And uh, it's uh, a great way to support the little network that could. Is my lipstick smeared? Yes, it was. <laughs> it, was it was a big hectic rush to get on air today. Um, we <gasps> should talk about this thing that Danielle Smith talked about over the weekend. Now, David Menzies always mentions what what day it is, like, you know, like, is it National Donut Day or National Bring Your Dog to Work Day? Well, uh, in Alberta, uh, on a more serious note, despite what the people in Hollywood and the left will tell you, uh, we recognize here in Alberta that human trafficking is a, is a catastrophe. It, God's children are not for sale, as they say. And it is World Day Against Trafficking in Persons. And um, our government is very focused on freeing people from the uh, confines of human slavery, sex slavery. Um, it's usually marginalized women who are drawn into this or who are taken into this. Uh, the people to the left say they care about, right? Um, but they have to not acknowledge the problem because to not acknowledge the problem means that you don't have to acknowledge that some of your friends are involved in it. So um, our uh, our government is taking a firm stance against human trafficking, and uh, unlike the progressives of the world, we say it's a real thing. And imagine like how much we can progress in this horrible thing if all government around the world would have done the same as a statement and just take accountability for the people who are doing human trafficking like instead of just censoring uh, a movie 
and 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 saying to people to not going and see it when it, this exists, it's reality, and the progress that we can make if like everybody was doing the same as Daniel Smith. Well, and for the left, they have to acknowledge that the things that they want to ignore or make legal are fueling human trafficking. So they want mm -hmm. to completely make prostitution in all of its forms legal. That fuels human trafficking. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't have a if you don't have a point of police intervention, um, then you don't you're unable to intervene to help these women who have been taken into sex slavery. Um, and a lot of it is fueled by drugs and the gangs that um, operate um, using drugs as their currency or their economy. Um, and the left just wants to completely legalize that. Again, no point of police contact to rescue people from sex slavery if all the things that uh, fuel uh, human trafficking are all of a sudden legal. Mm -hmm. And especially like trying to normalize the minor attract attractive person. So for me, this is just like another thing that will just put some fire on that big, huge problem. Now, I read somewhere, and I've seen Glenn Beck give this statistic before, that there are more people in slavery in any number of its forms, whether it's indentured servitude, um, if it is uh, foreign workers who come to places like Saudi Arabia and then they have their passports taken and they can't mm -hmm. leave, or sex slavery. Um, there are more people in slavery at this moment on the face of the earth than any other time in human history combined. Um, and so it's a real problem that the left just does not want to acknowledge. And I think it is because they don't really believe in the dignity and the value of the person. I'm not very surprised. Um, moving on from that somber note, although I'm proud to say that Alberta is acknowledging it and our, our premier seems to be a woman with her um, eye towards helping the vulnerable, both in her drug policy, but also uh, uh, her focus on human trafficking. Um, we should move into the more ridiculous things. <laughs> Lighten up the show a little bit. Um, let's talk about climate change because uh, mm. I've lived through I've lived through several uh, climate doomsdays, and here I am on the other side. Uh, they predict predicted no Arctic ice several mm -hmm. times, um, snowless winters. I, don't threaten me with a good time. I hope so. Uh, throw another tire on the fire if it means no more snow in the winter one year. Um, but that never materializes. And yet they still think that I'm supposed to care about their flood climate modeling. Uh, we've got um, nuclear Armageddon and climate change declared <laughs> as the biggest threats to Canadian security reports. According to an April 26 briefing note, Canada has only 300 full-time military personnel in the north located across Whitehorse, Yellowknife, and Iqaluit. Uh, I'm sure there are a few intermittently stationed um, at Alert. Uh, Alert is a, a base there that's a NORAD monitoring site. Um, they really should be monitoring for the Russians, but um, I bet mostly they just do Santa tracking up there <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Uh, because of Justin <laughs> Trudeau's extreme neglect of the military. But yeah, if we seriously think that nuclear 
uh, war is a threat to us, why don't we have enough people monitoring where the nuclear weapons are going to come at us? Because that's why those bases yes. exist up there. And the, the most hilarious part on this um, article is like we are spending a lot of money to rebuild um, a landing uh, pest for like the flight in the north. That's for protect the security of the nation against China and Russia. When we actually fuel the fight between Ukraine and Russia to help Ukraine to have more like weapon, more money to fight against them. And fun fact, we send them 406 million in air defense in Ukraine when we don't we do not have that ear to protect ourselves. You know, and I'm not someone who's against military spending. Like I'm not I'm not against uh fueling the war machine. And, oh my glasses are I have a headache, but my glasses are chroma keying and it's probably weird for the viewer. Um, but, um, you know, like I'm not against military spending on the Canadian military, um, but I have a real tough time with dumping a pile of money on Ukraine when our soldiers are buying their own uh, body armor, they're buying their own helmets, they're buying their own food sometimes on deployment. They are sharing sleeping bags. Um, we up until just now, Justin Trudeau decided the F-35 was a good idea when he mocked Stephen Harper for mm -hmm. trying to buy the F-35 um, 10 years ago. But now all of a sudden, Justin Trudeau thinks we're hard of remembering about how he mocked uh, the F-35 back then. And now we have to pay more for the F-35 because we didn't get mm -hmm. in on the procurement with our military allies then. Uh, I've seen the F-35 in Israel the thing is amazing. Um, but instead, Justin Trudeau bought these decommissioned Aussie um, AF-18s um, that were headed for the scrap heap and sent them to Cold Lake to recommission them, um, just wasting money all over the place. And so when we say we're building, rebuilding Air Force bases in the north, perfect. I'm happy about that. Um, it's nice to see an Air Force base get built in Canada or repaired in Canada or uh, military infrastructure get repaired in Canada as opposed to just throwing money at Ukraine to build their own military infrastructure. But I've got a real problem with the fact that we don't we probably um, won't have a force to um, man this uh, newly repaired military infrastructure because of COVID mandates and uh, just demoralization in the CAF. Uh, there's been a mass exodus from the force now, whether that's because they were forced out because of vaccine mandates, because they didn't want to be part of a, a force that would enforce vaccine mandates, or they have a low toleration for the absolute wokeness infecting uh, the CAF brass, not the people who are, um, you know, like your, your regular soldiers, but I'm talking about the brass, the guys at the top. Um, it, it's just not a force that anybody, it's a volunteer force. We don't have conscription. So you need to be something that compels people to enlist and they just are not that anymore. Yeah, but in this, oh, yeah, I, I understand uh, your point when we say that, yes, we need to to spend more to protect this, the security and to rebuild the base air force but in the same time we need to think about the fact that canadians usually fight for peace and not like fuel 
a fight that is already happening instead of like maybe working and saying like maybe we can just help to reach like a level of peace like instead of like sending million of million to billion of dollars to Ukraine when we don't even know what they are doing with our money. Right. I, 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 I'm, I we're 100% on the same page. Rebuild military infrastructure here. Make the force something that people want to serve in because right now it's not that. Um, and quit fueling the war efforts in other <laughs> countries because um, if your greatest fear is nuclear war, then why are you pushing the world closer and closer to it uh, mm -hmm. by, you know, being involved secondhand in a conflict that really Canada has no interest in? Exactly. Um, it's still on the issue of climate change uh, <laughs> because apparently, you know, I, I guess we're rebuilding the military bases to monitor for climate change up there. Um Christian Freeland claims that not ha oh this is rich this lady I've got a video I'm doing a video about her today um, but it'll probably be out tomorrow or the next day um, I just noticed something about her clothing and I know that it's it's petty but it's something that the other media talk about with all other politicians so I've got my own particular viewpoint on this but anyways Christian she Freeland she, she, she mostly always wear like red so she yeah. always look like a the red a liberal of Canada. Yeah. Oh yeah, a liberal. liberal. But... <laughs> She's very liberal red. Like if you notice, the conservatives will wear a lot of blue. The NDP wear a lot of orange. But she has these same five, I think, five shift yeah. dresses <laughs> that she. They're the exact same ones. They are equally all unflattering. Uh, nobody around her likes her enough to tell her stop this. Um, but that's not even what my video is about. But <laughs> we should. I noticed something else about what she oh. wears. Um, We'll talk about it later. I don't want to give the video away. People will have to watch. But uh, Freeland claims that um, if you are considering visiting Canada and the beauty of Canada, um, you pro you might not because um, I guess because we don't have a climate plan. What is she talking about? They've been taxing us uh, for several years. Um, if people don't come to visit Canada, it might have something to do with the fact that this is a very expensive place to visit if you are trying to stretch your tourism dollars. Like, it, it does, I'm surprised, like, I'm surprised people come here. Or it, like, it's a very expensive place to visit. It's a very expensive place to live. But I can't imagine that a Japanese tourist who is obsessed with Anne of Green Gables, did you know that's a thing? They're, they're very obsessed uh, with no. Anne of Green Gables. Anne of Green Gables is like a big thing in Japan. And so they love to go visit where uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery wrote Anne of Green Gables. They, they love the idea of like walking in those footsteps. It's a huge thing. Um, but uh, I can't imagine that a Japanese tourist who's going to fly all the way over here to like experience the Anne of Green Gables universe firsthand is going to be like, oh, they didn't raise the carbon tax high enough. I totally can't go now. <laughs> Like, I just, it's just so stupid, but that's the argument she's making. Let's roll this clip. I have to say failure to have a climate plan is actually the death knell for the Canadian economy. People will not want to buy the stuff we make in Canada if we are not making it in a green way. People will not want to visit our country if they do not see that we are energetically embracing the green transition. 
They'll go to places that are embracing that. So I really believe very, very strongly that our green policy is an economic growth policy. I have to say. What a stupid lane. Like seriously, <laughs> for someone who did travel to so many countries, I can affirm you that people doesn't care about like the green like energy and if you are doing step forward or not. People wants to travel, they wants to visit, they wants to experience other culture and other like feeling and food. They don't care about like if you are using green or not green because anyway they are taking a flight for coming there. So anyway, all the travel to go there will pollute anyway. So for the green transition, we, I don't like, seriously, this is just a, a stupid claim. I just pulled up the Wikipedia and take that for what you will, world tourism rankings. Canada is not even in the top 10. And I'm they've been surprised. taxing me, uh, they've been taxing me and taxing me and taxing me for years. So France is number one. Spain is number two. I'm not sure Spain has a climate tax, but number three is the United States, and they definitely don't have a nationwide carbon tax. Turkey, I'm sure, does not have one. Uh, Italy, if they have one, their their beautiful new prime minister is going to turf that. Mexico definitely doesn't. Um, so uh, I, I'm sorry, but her just even the statistics don't play out that having these green taxes on people by the way making travel to those countries even more expensive um mm -hmm. it doesn't encourage people to come there like what if you were a tourist and you were saying okay well i only have this much to spend on my vacation and i would need to make this much money go as far as possible it's no wonder mexico's on the list your dollar goes pretty far there mm -hmm. um You know, like if you're going to a place with a carbon tax, it's like going to a place with a VAT uh, it, or a sales tax. Your money doesn't go as far. And that's a lot something that a lot of people factor into going on vacation. But also this idea that people won't come here if we're not green manufacturing. Really? Do, pe do people <laughs> actually care about green manufacturing? Everything we buy is made in China and nobody seems to care. I think one of the world's largest fashion retailers is Sheen or Shine or however you say it. Um, and that that's just basically single use, double use fashion that you wear, you wash, it falls apart and people buy it, buy something else the next time. Nobody cares about where stuff is made anymore. But um, I, it's interesting to see Christian Freeland use this idea that maybe we should be a place of ethical manufacturing, because I do believe that. Um, and I do believe that specifically about our oil and gas, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I would love everybody to have a sticker on the pump that says this, this is Canadian oil, or this is Algerian oil, or this is Saudi Arabian oil so that they can make those decisions. Um, What? maybe people, What? maybe people might care. Freeland thinks they do. So let's find out. We do that with the maple syrup. Why not with our oil and gas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is, like, we enter in the new era where most of the people are, like, struggle with inflation. Not everywhere around the world, but a lot of, uh, like, the G7 country, example. Like, a lot of them have, like, the inflation uh, as us. And th those people, they, they want to keep travel same if they are struggling in their 
daily life. So do you think really that they will say, mm, why not going to Canada? I would like go not very long time because it's too expensive, but at least they have green energy. Yeah, no, nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody's like, oh, I want to go stay in Canada, but I heard that the hotel uh, uses coal-fired electricity, so I definitely can't go there. Like, it's just the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. It, it, it is. Like, it's so... Cl- but Freeland is so out of touch with normal people. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced she doesn't know any normal people. And uh, this next story will uh, bolster my arguments here. So Freeland, do we have that video of Freeland complaining about or, or saying like, oh, I I don't need a car? Olivia, do we have that? Do we show that? Can we? I don't know, but I remember Disney Plus. <laughs> the Disney Plus yeah. subscription. Yeah. Okay, so Freeland whose economic acumen should frighten us all, considering that she's the finance minister. She uh, basically burned an entire section of Reuters to the ground with her finan- by ignoring financial advice. It's a department of Reuters you'll never hear about because it no longer exists because they had the misfortune of putting Krista Freeland in charge of it before she entered politics. It was called Reuters Next, and her mismanagement destroyed that entire section of the company. And then uh, when she moved to Toronto, she had to get her parents to co-sign her mortgage as a woman in her 40s. Now, I get it. It's expensive to live in Toronto. And so maybe she didn't need her parents to help her co-sign there. However, Freeland, as finance minister, has done nothing to make life in Canada more affordable, <laughs> has she, for people seeking mortgages. Um, and, you know, she also said to cancel your Disney Plus subscription if you can't afford food. So um, <laughs> she's absolutely uh, completely out of touch with normal people. And uh, um, I- I'm not sure we need to play the Disney Plus clip. I don't know if you found the clip, Olivia, from the other day where she's talking about um, how she doesn't need a car. And so the rest of us who live in one of the world's least populated countries, <laughs> we don't need cars either. Um, we should all just live in downtown Toronto, I guess, uh, within walking distance from a subway. Do we have that clip? Here we go. This is, I mean, it's like she's a space alien. <laughs> she's never, <laughs> ever met a normal person. Roll this. Increase in gas, diesel, and oil this morning between six and eight cents per liter. Okay, um, well, I have been talking about that with Heath and Sean. Heath and Sean and I had breakfast together before that. One of the key industries here on Prince Edward Island in particular is our tourist industry, and particular to that, our car tourist industry. People traveling from our region to this island to be tourists with policies like the carbon tax and the clean fuel standards, which are by design meant to reduce consumption of fuel and reduce. Are you worried that's going to have a chilling effect on one of the key industries here on Prince Edward Island? Um, so, yeah, I'm very aware of that. And actually, um, uh, with a couple of my colleagues, we drove here last night from Halifax. Um, we very much believe in PEI. We believe in the tourism industry and we believe in the PEI economy overall. Um, Today's announcement 
was about all of that. You guys uh, are nice. I did want to say one more thing, though. I don't need you to retread the ground you've gone over because you've answered this question <laughs> from the other side. But you are facing a lot of pushback in this region in particular from local politicians, local provincial governments that say this, they're not opposed to it, but it's coming too soon, too fast. They need more time to adapt. What do you say to that? You know what? I say I do really understand. Um, I really understand the challenges. A fact that still shocks my dad is I don't actually own a car because I live in downtown Toronto. I'm like, I don't know, 300 meters from the nearest subway. Um, I walk, I take the subway, I make my kids walk and ride their bikes and take the subway. It's actually healthier for our family. I can live that way. I can live that way. Okay, great. <laughs> I like the music in the background. I don't know who did that, but it's just oh, like... Oh, it's <laughs> funny. But I, I, I really want to do a poll. Who, who hate more the mo who, who the people hate the most? Christian Freeland or Justin Trudeau? Well, like the woman is completely out of touch. It shocks her dad that she doesn't own a car. Yeah. Uh, why? Because she has a car. She just doesn't have to own it. The taxpayer pays for it. She has a chauffeur-driven mm -hmm. uh, executive town car that she gets to pick her up and cart her around everywhere. And even worse, I one time went and I pulled all of her flight records and I matched them up with her chauffeur records. And I don't know why I did this, but I could see that she was flying to Montreal mm -hmm. and she was sending her chauffeur in the car ahead on the ground to Montreal. So driving all the way to Montreal and picking her up at the airport. What? Yeah. Yes. It's even worse. It's like yeah, double I, pollution for nothing. For nothing. So that because I guess because she doesn't have a car, she doesn't care. So like when she was flying from Ottawa, she would have the chauffeur pick her up when she was flying from Ottawa to uh, Toronto, the chauffeur would fly ahead of her plane or drive ahead of her plane to pick her up. And so she's going to lecture me about how I don't need to own a car because she lives 300 feet from a subway station. I live like 45 minutes from town. Is she crazy? It's not everybody lives in downtown Toronto. I'm sorry. As I pointed out, this is one of the least densely populated places on the face of the earth. And we all can't live like Freeland walking to a subway or having the taxpayer pay for her chauffeur-driven limo. By the way, thanks to her government's bail policies, to use the subway system in Edmonton, you're taking your life in your hands. So I'm glad she feels safe. I doubt that she's actually using the subway system in Toronto because I've seen that she has the chauffeur drive her around. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, where I am right now. I'm about 20 minutes for the closest bus that actually run every hour, like one per hour. So I'm sorry, but if someone live around here where I am, good luck for reaching downtown in a decent lap of time because what you, you expect that people will walk 20 minutes, uh, about 20 minutes of driving so it's about two hours walk <laughs> to get the the bus and uh, reaching downtown afterwards she's crazy or what 
yeah, I think she is. And she should know better because her dad was a farmer in northern Alberta. Um, but I live on gravel. Like, <laughs> like in a real tough time listening to this lady tell me just go to the subway station and get all your work done. And by the way, like, I, I try to be as economical with my travel as possible because Freeland makes life very expensive. But mm -hmm. even, even if I lived somewhere where I could take the bus to town, which is crazy, how the heck am I going to get the $400 worth of groceries I bought yesterday back <laughs> home on the bus? You know? Don't go to Costco. <laughs> I can't walk past a Costco and $400 just jumps out of my wallet and it's gone forever. <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, I, I try to do my grocery trips, like, at the end of the week on Sundays, fill up the house for the kids so I'm not running around all the time. And it costs a lot more than it ever did, but I'm mm -hmm. still bringing a trunk full, a Jeep's trunk full of groceries into the house on Sundays. How am I supposed to do that on the bus? I just can't run up to the store and get the milk around the corner. It's a 40 minute round trip for me to go up to the store to get a milk. Like I did live the life, like I got my first car recently, like this year, uh, last year, actually. Yeah. I never owned a car before. was using my bike, uh, public transit, uh, buses, but I was living downtown. And I can tell you, it was a pain on the ass because every time I was going to the grocery, I was like suffering with all like my bag and I'm just alone. I doesn't have any kids. And I was like, okay, if this is actually a pain for me, I don't like the, like all a mother who have like maybe two or three children who needs to do that like two times a week on, this is, this is unbelievable. Like if she think that everybody can do that because it's already like really difficult to do and you need to be really um, set mind to do that. Or have a taxpayer-driven chauffeur, <laughs> chauffeur limousine. I mean that that makes it a lot easier to not own a oh, car. Oh yeah, I don't even I don't even own a car. No, I own your car. <laughs> Actually, we all do. Um, we should move ahead though, uh, because not only does Freeland not own a car, um, I've noticed and I've pulled the records on this. A lot of the executive vehicles. So not only do we give them these chauffeur driven uh, executive town cars or limos or suburbans. A lot of times it's suburbans. Um, but we also, a lot of times provide them with a, a vehicle. Like I think free, um, no, uh, Catherine McKenna, she drove um, a Subaru. I think that we paid for, if I recall correctly, was not an EV by the way, they don't buy EVs for themselves. They just want the rest of us to buy them. But mm -hmm. um, despite all that, be, be, and if you ask them, why don't you drive an EV? They say, well, because they're unreliable in Canadian conditions. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I know. I know. That's why I need to drive my gas powered or diesel powered vehicle, um, despite the fact that the government wants to phase them out in seven short years. Um, despite all this, the feds are pondering more electric vehicle rebates. So once again, Canada continues to pay for the novelty vehicles, the second and third vehicles of rich people uh, by subsidizing them. These are already vehicles that are heavily subsidized both in the manufacturing aspect, but also at the retail 
side. And they also get preferential treatment on the roads, which I dislike immensely, um, that they have their own lane in Ontario. We don't have that in Alberta. I guess we don't have enough EVs for it to make sense, but I, I just don't think you should be like the transportation elite because you spent too much Mm -hmm. money on a car that you can only drive for four months of the year. Um, but now they want to give rich people more money to buy EVs because apparently you can't inspire people to buy these unreliable cars on their own. So you have to basically throw money at people. But you're right. Like they, they cost already so much money to buy one new that, okay. If you give them like example, 5,000 back, it's only rich people who will be able to afford it. So you actually give a rebate to rich people who don't need the rebate instead of maybe lower the carbon tax for the normal people who cannot afford your electric vehicle because anyway, same if you offer a, a rebate, they will not afford it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it does, again, it just completely, it's like Freeland again, it doesn't acknowledge the reality of living somewhere outside of downtown Toronto. I need a vehicle with a lot of range. I'm in and out of Calgary a couple of times a week sometimes. It's an mm-hmm. eight-hour round trip for me. Um, in Alberta, sometimes our commutes in the oil patch are five hours one way. You know, if you're going up to work in Fort McMurray from Edmonton or you're going to work in Saskatchewan or, you know, on the eastern slopes um, to work in the oil patch, you need a vehicle with not, not only a, a vehicle that can stand our weather, uh, go off the highway on a, you know, a forestry road or a lease road, but you need something with range and EVs don't have range. Like they just don't. And, you know, with our major cities being at least three hours apart from each other, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't want to factor in having to stop in Red Deer and recharge my vehicle for a couple of hours before I can continue on the road to Calgary. Uh, but that's the life these people want us to live. And they're trying to pay me to do it. And I just won't. <laughs> I refuse. They'll pry my gas-powered or diesel-powered vehicle from my cold, dead hands. I just won't have it. I will fix my vehicle until it falls apart before I give in to their push for net zero vehicles. I just will not do it. But which industry would be happy of that, do you think? Toy truck that they will like just toy all the electric car that didn't reach their their destination in time. <laughs> I can't even imagine doing farm work farm work with an electric pickup. Like I just I can't, I can't I can't even like imagine hauling bales, hauling livestock, um, moving grain with an electric truck. I just it's madness. It just won't work. It doesn't have the same power in any way because. I, I was looking at one uh, of TV show and they were trying the um, uh, the removal from the snow. I don't know how you call it in English. Yeah, yeah. Like the, um, but someone had like a normal one with gas and the other one had like the electric one. And the electric one didn't do like a minute on it. It was just like shutting down all the time because there is no power on this. Yeah. I, well, I mean, if anybody has a golf cart or an ATV, you know your ATV is more powerful than your golf cart. I, we have both, so I know. Um, it, it, it's just common sense that the government doesn't have. Um, and we've <laughs> seen this play out in real time in Ottawa. They moved to, or they attempted to move to electric buses, and Ottawa gets a lot of snow, and then the buses mm. wouldn't work in the snow. And so they had spent all this, billions of dollars on this transition away from, 
reliable diesel electric buses mm -hmm. to whatever they've got now. And then they just, the buses don't run in the snow. And so what are you going to do except put the other ones back on the road and just every time it snows, you have to take the electric buses off the road. Great idea, guys. <laughs> You're saving us money. Um, we, one more last thing uh, before we uh, hit an ad break, which we're way overdue for. Uh, tyranny runs in the family over at the Schwab family. Uh, Klaus Schwab's daughter says that permanent climate lockdowns are coming, whether you like it or not. Uh, you will not lock me down, sister. <laughs> You're going to be like stuffing a cat into a wet paper bag. You're not going to lock me down. Uh, but these people think that um, they, God, she sure looks like a super villain. Anyways, um, the, they think that they can replicate the COVID lockdowns on their new emergency, which is the same old emergency that ever was. Um, and they're going to prevent us from moving around and uh, control our lives. This is just the latest thing. They, they know who is compliant because of uh, how certain people and certain populations were able to be controlled uh, during COVID lockdowns that ultimately made no sense that they can convince people to go along, to get along. They know who those people are. And now um, they're going to use it for this and um, good luck to them. <laughs> good luck. But more and more it's coming more and more. They are, producing new tools that would be easier to lock down people. As electric car, it's easy to cut electricity or say that you reach your level of electricity allow. And other yes. like like the 15-minute city or whatever it is, it's always a new tool that we see appearing and it's just like, oh, that's a great tool for controlling population, eh? You know, that's a really great point. It's a point that uh, Andrew Wilkow on Sirius XM makes all the time. He, on the Wilkow majority, he always says, when the government is giving you something with an outstretched hand, mm -hmm. the other hand is always a closed fist. And you can see that you make an excellent point when you're talking about uh, green cars. So the government is basically paying you to get into a green car, but the government now can turn off your green car if you are defying your climate lockdown. Uh, the government uses uh, land use and building codes to build you these convenient little cities where mm -hmm. you have everything you need, these 15-minute cities, these convenient little neighborhoods. And so you're enticed to move into them because of the convenience, but they've just built an ant farm for you and they're just going to close the lid. And so always be wary of when the government is giving you things because it is never, ever, ever for free and especially like when we see like grocery store or restaurant that now doesn't accept any cash and now you yes. use your credit card but your credit card they can see like oh too much meat we cut you on the credit like carbon credit for your meat because you yeah. reach too much of your carbon footprint now so i'm really worried with this new like generation of like boutique with like now you cannot use any cash for that. So um, I'm, I'm worried that this would be a huge tool for the climate lockdown. Yeah. I mean, we've already seen it play out, right? Like they already tested this with convoy. If you had a little bit too much to think um, with the convoy and you threw your support behind the convoy, you were kicked out of your bank account. 
So it can be done and without much objection from the larger populace. So again, they know mm -hmm. they, with COVID, they've figured out exactly who they can control. Uh, it's definitely not me, but they know that a, a huge portion of this population will just go along to get along because the government told them that this is the right thing to do. And they, that's all it takes for them to think that they're being a good person. And so it's very chilling. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, what is most chilling is like Quebec is the, the one who did buy the most of electric vehicle, um, the most receptive to it. So I, I live here. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> You're going to be a real renegade, I think. Uh, we should hit an ad break and then we should go into federal politics because things aren't looking so great for the Justin Trudeau liberals, which is why I think there's absolutely no election in the very near future. So let's do an ad break. Mm. How in the world could such a small group of people with limited resources change world history? But in fact, that's happening. And it's the power of the truth. The truth is like kryptonite. Healthcare isn't in some sense working very well. Foster Colson is thinking about this. He's got a new company, an online healthcare platform called The Wellness Company. Telehealth company called The Wellness Company. The Wellness Company. The most popular product is the detoxification supplement that features natokinase. Natokinase is the only enzyme that we're aware of right now that dissolves the spike protein. Spike protein is loaded in the body with the COVID-19 infection and definitely with the vaccines. We've been completely accurate on the spread of the virus, early treatment, on the deficiencies in hospital care, and now the deaths that are occurring after vaccination. This is a human outrage and it's occurring at the end of a hypodermic needle. Isn't it interesting? Natural substances combating this man-made disaster. Okie doke. Let's uh, see if we can breeze through some of this. I don't want to spend too much time on federal politics because I, fe I feel like Freeland just gobbled up a lot of the oxygen in the room <laughs> previously to this. Um, but uh, let's look at these polling numbers from Polling Canada, updated uh, 338 Canada federal model. Uh, this, this is um, seat predictions if the election were held today. Uh, Conservative Party of Canada, 162. That's majority. Uh, Liberal Party uh, 117, that puts them in opposition, and not even enough with the NDP to pick up, uh, I mean, they couldn't take power from yeah. the Conservatives if they joined with the NDP in a coalition. BQ wouldn't join with them anyway, and the Green Parties. Uh, so, it massive shift. So the BQ looks like they've picked up two seats, would pick up two seats from the NDP. So the NDP mm -hmm. support is not really moving towards the Liberals. Uh, liberal support is not really moving towards the NDP. Uh, it's moving directly over to the Conservative Party of Canada because people are sick of them. So it's why you say that you don't see an election coming soon, just because it seems that Justin Trudeau will like see that is not is is going to lose. So why why snapping an election now? Like for him, like you have like the chance with the NDP that to be able to be in power until twenty twenty five. Is that yeah. yeah? So I don't think yeah I don't like if he's doing that. You know that he's putting his first feet into his tomb 
and it would not be elect. No, he knows that. And so uh, I think for Justin Trudeau, uh, his only real ideology is power. And so he doesn't want to lose it. That's why he's willing Mm -hmm. to make deals with the NDP to hold on to power, do and say whatever it takes to hang on to power. Um, And so when I look at these numbers, there's no way in heck that he would um, do it. Well, I... I guess he w- he wouldn't call an election, but he also wouldn't do anything to fracture his relationship with the mm-hmm. NDP because fracturing that relationship with the NDP would bring us to a conf- confidence motion. And then that would be it for the Justin Trudeau liberals. And he, looking at these polling numbers, there's no possible way that he would jeopardize that. But like the NDP are so like hypocrite, like they are bashing the liberals when they want, but in the same time, they give them like all the power in one side. So I'm just like, seriously, just don't talk, just don't do anything. Anyway, like you are as liberal as them because you're helping them to stay there. If you were really a, a party, like you will be like now criticizing him and also like be with other party and and request a net action right now. Sure. Uh, actually, my MP, I'll point out, I'll divulge that, my MP, Garnet Janice, also goes to my church. Um, he points this out in a video in the House of Commons, uh, just how hypocritical the NDP are standing in outside the House of Commons, criticizing the Liberals, but also voting along Liberal Party lines inside the House of Commons, Uh, The NDP are really the only reason that the Liberals are still in power at this point. Um, I I guess because the Liberals will throw them enough of, uh, like, give them enough of their policies in the Liberal platform to keep them happy. Um, Anyway, let's uh, show my MP in action. So in this House, we have, I think, different parties that have different dispositions when it comes to uh, to corporations. You have the NDP uh, that, that generally takes kind of an anti-business approach in general. Uh, you have our party that champions the free competitive market. And you have a government uh, that is, is sadly captured by specific corporate interests, often at the expense of the free market, as well as at the expense of, uh, of individual well-being. Uh, and, uh, and paradoxically, the NDP while they criticize the government for that, is, is, is fundamentally complicit with the government in, on the one hand, criticizing their agenda as it relates to, uh, to defending corporate interests, but on the other hand, uh, supporting the government and providing them uh, with, the, uh, with the supply they need to continue uh, in, their, in their misguided approach. So in this house... It's no wrong. Mm-hmm. I really like him because... Um... I remember in Quebec they were calling the um, the member of the parliament a uh, green plan because they were not doing anything and they were just there and doing nothing. But he is not. He's not a green plan. He's actually like uh, requesting some information and doing some uh, order paper and asking the great question and actually like saying out loud what the people really think. Yeah, there's a lot of really good conservative MPs from what I call the class of 2015. There's a lot of young MPs, a lot of them particularly in Alberta, who uh, got elected even though Stephen Harper lost power that year. Shannon Stubbs is one. Garnet is one. Um, Just really smart, scrappy, thoughtful 
and very conservative. And a lot, uh, uh, Arnold Viersen is another one here in Alberta. He's heavy on the human trafficking issue. Um, at, a lot of them are like openly pro-life, like they are not scared to be conservative. Um, and I think they're going to make excellent cabinet ministers for <laughs> Pierre Polyev when, when he wins. Um, let's hit an ad break. And then I want to, we've got some LGBT nonsense to talk about, but I want to talk about, again, <laughs> but I want to talk about the corn maze in Edmonton because, oh, wow. Anyway, let's uh, hit an ad break. We'll talk about the corn maze and then we'll go into a couple LGBT kooky stories. You may have heard us previously refer to the term Orwellian in response to the way that governments around the world have acted throughout the COVID-1984 hysteria. But do you know what these terms really mean? Well, they come from the dystopian writings of author George Orwell. And now you can read one of his most famous works, novel 1984, better than ever before, to hear the terms that we refer to often, such as the Ministry of Truth, wrong think, thought police, etc. straight from the horse's mouth. You can find it at buy1984.com where Rebel News is excited to launch this revamped classic tale. It's not revamped at all in terms of what was actually written. In fact, all of the writings themselves remain entirely unchanged. But we're now bringing you this harrowing futuristic novel fully illustrated and with a larger, easier to read font size. There is a foreword by Rebel Commander, Ezra Levant, and you can order it directly through that website, buy1984.com. The parallels between the depictions of the surveillance state and Orwellian's totalitarian depictions in 1984, contrasted with what we are seeing today in our democracies should not be ignored. Go to buy1984.com and purchase your book today. And hey, maybe even order a copy or two for a friend. It's the perfect gift that keeps on giving. And you'll never be able to view the doublespeak of certain politicians the same way again. That's buy1984.com. All right, let's talk about the corn maze. Then we'll go into some LGBT uh sidewalks getting hate crimed again and then uh we'll talk about uh, the covid tests so that we've hit uh because you know covid tests is is on the uh headline so we want to make sure we touch this okay corn maze in edmonton they say it's edmonton it's just outside of edmonton city limits in fact it's the next door neighbor pretty well of grace life church um so i'm familiar with this neck of the woods a little bit and i'll be honest with you i take my kids to this corn maze every year um, the kids sort of compete with each other about who's going to finish it first. And then they go their own way. And I just go get uh, coffee and <laughs> wait on everybody to get lost. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> the corn maze every year, they do a different design, right? Like some years, I think one year it was like a transformer mm-hmm. or some, uh, I think maybe even they've had like an NHL theme. Um, this year they have a, 150 years of the RCMP design. And look, I've got some criticisms of the RCMP, but I also um, have some friends and family who are RCMP. So I don't think that they're all bad. I've got real problems with the RCMP brass. I think a lot of the good cops feel the same way. Um, 
but we have uh, they're a part of Canadian history. Uh, it's an institution that has served Canada for a long time. A lot of men and women put on their uniform every day, kiss their family goodbye, and go do dangerous jobs, uh, keeping our communities safe. The bad apples aside. Nothing wrong with that. I, I don't see anything wrong with this, and I'm a critic of the police sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the people who don't go to the corn maze, obviously, because it's too far outside of city limits for them to take their bus or subway to Christopher Freeland types. Um, they are angry because they say that like a maze that acknowledges the service of the RCMP is uh, somehow insensitive to marginalized communities, marginalized communities, by the way, which the RCMP serve. Um, because mm-hmm. if you, who it's just anti-police nonsense what are you going to do call a social worker but anyway this is what it says the edmonton corn maze says it will give more thought to future themes to make sure the maze is a welcoming space for everyone the police serve everyone (laughs) by the way on friday the maze posted a statement on facebook expressing regret or any regret for any pain this year's rcmp's uh themed uh maze would may have caused marginalized communities at the time of creating the, the the design, our intention was not to overlook or downplay the concerns associated with the RCMP. Now, this is not the RCMP jackboots um, cracking down on convoy protesters. If someone had said, "Like, hey, that that's distasteful," um, I, I'm not I'm not even sure that I would agree with that because that's these RCMP um, and not the RCMP institution, the men and women who serve our community as a whole. That's again. The, something that happened in an isolated place in Ottawa and also Brenda Lucky's the worst and I'm glad she's gone. (laughs) But but anyways, um, the owner of the maze says we recognize that our approach of what building a maze uh, did not adequately take into account the hurt and harm that the RCMP's history has caused various communities, including indigenous peoples and people of color. Do we even, do these people even know why the RCMP exists? Like, do they know why the Northwest Mounted Police existed? They, I, I don't think they know. Um, anyways, he says, we acknowledge that any such portrayal may be perceived as insensitive and dismissive of these valid issues. We're sorry. Um, and he's been doing different mazes for uh, 23 years, um, but it sounds like he... Uh, I don't know. It sounds like the council culture mob came for him and he capitulated like an absolute coward. I would have just said, yeah, this is the maze this year. If you don't like it, don't come. Come next but year. That, that's completely stupid. Like I've been shot in the legs by RCMP. Do I'm actually saying I am offense by that? No, because I acknowledge that they have a, a job that they are facing sometime like really critical situation. And I will not paint like all RCMP officer because of one single officer who did that to me. Um, no, I will not. And I, I think that people have like a really quick way to just like paint everybody in the same box just because of one or two individual who did like their job wrongly or did like some offensive thing. But that doesn't represent like the old officers or the old yeah. like unit. 
it's it's I, I find that completely like stupid to for them to have apologized because they should not have been apologized because what they did it was it was right. I just think this is crazy. And for these people, for those of you who don't know why the RCMP was founded, it was founded to protect indigenous people from whiskey traders. So this is from the RCMP's own website. Um, they consider the birthday of the RCMP, May 23rd, 1873. Um the order and council to establish the Northwest Mountain Police, so the precursor to the RCMP, wasn't signed until August 30th, 1873. But the founding of this police agency was in response to an attack on First Nations people in the Cypress Hills, which is Saskatchewan and Alberta, by American whiskey traders and wolf hunters. They were founded to stop a massacre. Uh, later that year, on November 3rd, the first 150 recruits gathered at Lower Fort Gary near Winnipeg, Manitoba, to start training. And so uh, the, by the next summer, 300 uh, recruits were deployed across the West um, in detachments. Um, and these first outposts employed First Nations and Métis guides, scouts, and entrepreneur or, and interpreters. So um, the history of the RCMP is intrinsically tied to a, a favorable relationship with First Nations people. And what, a, by the way, what an insult to uh, First Nations police officers right now, that mm -hmm. you can't celebrate the jobs that they do in their community because you might offend some white busybodies from downtown Edmonton, get bent. My biggest problem in this, it's like we, they comply once again and give like tribune to extreme left activists who are for defund the police, and that claim a cab, like all cops are bastards. And they yep. give them the reason of what they are doing as a, being activists. And they, they see that what they are doing got to a result. And that would not give them like the taste to stop. They just they just they would just want to continue because they see that the result of their activists. Yeah, I mean, this and the worst part. I mean, the mob is bad enough, but the mob shrieks at everything. It's the guy who gave in. And I know some people are like, well, he's a small business owner. This isn't the hill he wanted to die on. He's trying to protect his seasonal employees. Sure. But do you really think that these uh, cancel culture mobsters are going to get on their bikes and drive the 10 kilometers out of town down that secondary highway to get to the um, corn maze to protest them? Absolutely not. Normal yeah. people will continue to go. Uh, these people are not patronizing your maze. And I don't know why he capitulated. And probably more people would have been like, you know what? I, I, I didn't make, I don't normally make time for the corn maze, but I'm going to go support this guy for taking a stand uh, for, for doing the right thing. You know, it's very demoralizing to the good cops to see um, them all painted with the brush of bad cop. Um, and the activists do it, and that's what the activists will do. But this business owner just gave that um, some credibility for some reason, and I don't know why. All he had to do was say, you know what? Uh, I'm sorry you don't like this year's corn maze. I'll see you next mm -hmm. year. Exactly. That was, they should have done that instead of like apologizing. Yeah. I don't know. It's stupid. Anyway, but <laughs> I, um, 
I'll have to find some, I'll go to the other corn maze. <laughs> There's, there are a couple other corn mazes. I'll go to the other one. It's not as big, but uh, I don't think they care about my politics down there. So I'll, I'll go to that one instead. Um, <laughs> we should talk about the COVID tests. Yeah. There, uh, apparently, uh, there are not enough Nilly Kaplan mirths in the world to consume all the remaining COVID tests that are just out there. Um, can we bring up that article? There we go. I think it's 39 uh, million of tests that they are, we are sitting on it and uh, they don't want to throw in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 39 million. Yeah. And so, and I know there are COVID tests all over my house because there was a point at which they were just sending them home with my kids. And I'm like, I'm not sticking this thing up your nose. I don't care. You're not sick. I'm not sticking this up your nose. And like my husband's work, I think they were sending them home sometimes and they just piled up, piled up. I'm like, I'm not using them. Quit sending them. Um, and I remember that in Alberta, you could get your COVID tests. Like they would just give them for free. I think you get them where basically wherever you wanted them. And now they don't have enough uptake. And so we've got all these tests um, just sitting there. I suppose expiring, uh, along with the vaccines nobody wants. That's so stupid. But the people are is like keep forgetting that we paid for that, and uh, mm -hmm. we will just throw like I don't know how many uh, million of dollars that we were just throw in the garbage because government wanted so much that you go home and you test yourself. Yeah, there were people who were like test obsessed. Have you mm -hmm. noticed that people would be like, and they would <laughs> announce it on Twitter. They would be like, oh, I I have a runny nose. I'm like, okay, who cares? And then they would be like, I tested for COVID and I didn't, and it came back negative. So I tested the next day and it came back negative. So I tested the third day and it came <laughs> back positive. And it's like, okay, so I don't know if your test is wrong or if you got COVID, but by the time they are testing positive for COVID, I think their, their runny nose had already cleared up. Like, but people were just so obsessed with joining the club of those who had had COVID that they would test themselves obsessively to make mm -hmm. sure that they had joined the club of those who had COVID for some reason. I don't know, but it's not the club that I want to be on. <laughs> I think I had COVID for like 18 hours. <laughs> so I was fine. It wasn't even enough for me to like take the day off work. Although I never take the day off work, no matter how garbagey I feel. Um, I can't That's justify true. it. I work from. I can't justify it. I work from home. But I remember I was just like I was really warm, but the rest of me was cold, and I felt gross. I went to bed at three o'clock after our like last staff call. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, well, I guess that's that. I was like, this is, this is why we shut down the world. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It gave me a whole different perspective on everything. Um, last thing on the list before we, oh, we're over time. So we should really get to it. Tilsonburg, Ontario, Oxford pride just paid to have a crosswalk installed less than a week ago by the clock tower. I thought pride is over. So why are we putting this thing in? Anyway, uh, it's disgusting that in 2023, we as hashtag 2SLGBTQAI plus folks, oh my God, is that a word, folks? 
are continuing to have our to have to fight for our rights, freedoms, respect, and dignity. What happened? Did someone squawk some tires on the road? Um, oh no, they but, vandalized it. Oh, but in the same time, the road is at everybody, no? They hate crime them. Like, imagine okay. thinking that you, um, this is a violation of your human rights to have somebody spray paint some overpriced public art on the road. Like this, this should affect you, even if you were in the LGBTQ and all the other letters plus sign, divided sign world. If you are in that universe, somebody spray painting a crosswalk, how does that harm you? Like, exactly. I, I don't, I don't understand that this means you still have to fight for your rights. It just means that some kids had a can of spray paint. Like we don't, again, we don't even, we don't even know. This is a you hate crime, but the but the forty and something churches that burned out that was not a hate crime. Okay, yeah, that's a that makes sense. Point. That's a that's a, that's a really great point. By the way, what are they scratching out here? The white. So I guess they're they didn't scratch out anything else. Like they didn't scratch out. Is this like a anti white gay people crime? <laughs> <laughs> Is it? They scratched at the white and the pink. So I think, what's the pink? Is that female? I guess we are concerned about gender stereotypes. We are enforcing gender stereotypes. If the pink line represents females um, in the LGBTQ sphere, although uh, mm -hmm. I'm reliably informed that that's a gender stereotype that we shouldn't enforce. And then the white represents like white people, I guess. So they scratched out white people and women. So what were their intentions here? I don't I know. Would, probably, I prefer not to know. Probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the point is probably nothing. It's just some kids with a can of spray paint who probably would have did this because they knew that people like Jordan Kent would get on the internet and be real upset for some reason. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it, it, it just, I, some people are, and he mentioned that we need to fight for our right and freedom. But um, before you didn't touch the children, there was no fight to have with nobody because everybody was like ex like living their life normally and not really bothering with like LGBTQ, uh, I plus, whatever. Because there has always been like a pride um Pride Day or Pride Week or Pride, well, now it's now month and season, but there always been a Pride moment every year. And I'm sorry, I never see like backlash as we experience now, just because you went after the children. Stop touching the children. You will not have to fight anymore for your right and everything like that. Well, and it's the people who are sexualizing the children that are hiding under the umbrella mm -hmm. of yeah. the, the LGBTQ community. Yeah. If the LGBT community would kindly just push them out from under the umbrella, we I think we'd all be fine. <laughs> if just mm -hmm. shove them out into the rain, we'd all be good. We would know that they're not with you and they would know that they're not with you and we would all just be fine and we would all be just like, leave the little ones alone or I'll and join Team Millstone pretty quick. And if I was like in the LGBTQ 
uh, community as Great. myself. I will be like so mad to see some people yeah. using like my community as a tool, political tool, by the way, to push an agenda that are coming from mostly liberals and other like entity. And I would be like so mad to see that. And I will be like retracting myself as much like, and just like leaving myself as like, this is not my community anymore. I don't want to have nothing to do with that. So please leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I noticed in the uh, Rumble explanation of the show today that we have uh, a story that you suggested on these new stores and it sort of touches on, you made mention of it a little bit earlier, but it touches on that idea of social credit. Um, these stores that I think is all these stores that yeah. won't, which is like a convenience store, but like a, it's more like a convenience store, but also a dollar store kind of idea. Um, but also but a they have food. store, but they have it's food. food. Yeah. In Europe, uh, largely, I think the UK, I've been in an Aldi store before interesting um but they don't take cash payment for food anymore do we have a clip you're gonna be tracked and apt to buy anything i'm gonna buy some strawberries and i'm offering exactly the right amount of money here on the help desk so you people take that money one pound ninety and i will take my strawberries outside. You can't take that. 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 You can't take Okay. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Because you should be able to, you one should be able to spend yeah, right, one here, on. You should be able to spend wherever you want. This is an absolute joke. You want one, mate? <laughs> Thank you. We we need like more people like that because like he's right. He say like I pay it on an illegal way. This is true. Like since when we put like money, uh, not legal way to pay, like this is insane. Like the only like money is, should, should be always, always be a legal way to pay. So like the money, the, the liquid ca cash, I, I mean the cash. Yep. So that to put that not legal to a store should not be legal at, at all. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I was just doing some quick uh, calculations there. Uh, one point, like a one point nine pounds sterling, so British pounds, for a pound of strawberries, three dollars and twenty cents Canadian. That's really cheap. Yeah, it's cheap. <laughs> I know I'm like they don't have Freeland in charge of their economy over there obviously because their food inflation is not completely out of control mm -hmm. it's like five bucks and they're seasonal right now so like I can go to my garden and pick strawberries there um which is why I don't buy them in the store besides the fact that I can't afford them um but yeah that three dollars and 20 cents Canadian for a pound of strawberries this is a good price 
real good price. Anyway, you you prefer pickle than strawberry. Anyway, I do. I made pickles <laughs> over the weekend. So so many. Um, I still gotta go. I got some cucumbers on order from the Hutterites. I gotta go get some more. Um, just so I can make it through the winter. Um, <laughs> let's uh, get into these cats because they're way over time. Uh, Snowy Roof gives us five bucks. It says, a person who says budgets balance themselves, how do you expect him to spend our taxes in an efficient manner? manner? Uh, It's true. He also said he's going to grow the economy from the heart outward, whatever the hell that means. (laughs) (laughs) Scary. Yes. Uh, Snowy roof, five bucks. Sheila, you should be able to find a current bush on the side of a lease road to charge your electric vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Current bush, uh, high bush cranberries, all those things. You just plug your car right into them, charge it up. I'm sure that would work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fraser McBurney, our Fight the Fines recidivist from Hamilton, Ontario. And Fight the Fines Victor. He had all of his tickets tossed out for protesting. Five bucks. Name the one person who can't walk in public without being admonished by any member of the public. Justin Trudeau. What a disgraceful person he is. Yeah, I remember people being, being this, like the left. For reasons they could not describe, by the way, being viscerally angry about Stephen Harper. They just hated his face for some reason, but they really couldn't understand why. Because I'm like, you, your taxes are lower. The economy's good. We survived the global recession better than anybody else. Thanks to Stephen Harper's strong management of our economy. He mm-hmm. didn't like to spend taxpayers' money on himself at all. Uh, he didn't have a taxpayer-funded ma- nanny. He paid for his wife or for his kids uh, on his own, not like Justin Trudeau. Um, his mother-in-law didn't live with them <laughs> on the mm-hmm. taxpayer dime like Justin Trudeau. Uh, he wasn't. Um, he couldn't optically repair the mansion at 24 Sussex because he didn't want to be perceived to be spending the money on his family that... And that mansion now, Justin Trudeau refuses to live in because it's not fancy enough. And so now it's undergoing construction. Um, But the left couldn't tell you why they disliked Stephen Harper. They just knew the media and the liberals told them to dislike Stephen Harper. But this visceral anger that you see out in the world directed at Justin Trudeau, people hate him and they know exactly why they hate him. If you ask him, like, why why do you hate uh, Justin Trudeau? They will tell you exactly why they'll say mm-hmm. like he canceled this project he taxed me on this um you know he's chased this job away he's done this he's he's funded this uh, like they will go down the list of reasons why they can't stand Justin Trudeau and why they hate him uh with a boiling anger it's very different it's very different than what I saw you know eight ten years ago but when uh, Stephen Harper was prime minister, I was not really politically involved uh, at that point. And I remember just in Quebec, lots of people didn't like uh, Stephen Harper. I, I, I remember like yeah, in Quebec, lots of people were like, didn't like that man. And they were not capable to tell me why. Mm-hmm. And you know what, quite frankly, uh, Justin Trudeau, or Justin Trudeau, um, he, I, it's like he gives Quebec what they want, but he doesn't really understand what Quebec wants. Stephen Harper, mm-hmm. and, and and there's um, you know, there's data to support this. When Stephen Harper took power, 
almost right after that because he believed in provincial autonomy. You're the province. I'm not going to overstep my boundaries into your province. So you guys figure out what you're doing over there. The feds are going to stay in our lane. We're going to do federal stuff. You guys are going to do provincial stuff. We're not going to meddle in between. And when Stephen Harper took power, separatist movements both in Alberta, but also in Quebec extinguished because of his hands-off approach to provincial politics. Um, and once Justin Trudeau took power, they, they both started to flame up again. Um, and it's because he doesn't know how to keep his grubby fingers off of provincial jurisdiction. So, um, well, people, I, I don't think that was ever really well articulated to people in Quebec. Like, look, Stephen Harper just wanted to leave you alone. You might not like mm -hmm. his politics, but he just wanted to leave you alone. Um, Justin Trudeau just can't leave anybody alone. Yeah. And by the way, by uh, external point of view, how do you see Quebec more left or more right? I think it depends. It depends on the city. Um, I think that I, I don't even know if Quebec, you can even think about Quebec as left or right. Uh, I think some of like the social policies in Quebec are very far left and they've been far left for a very long time. However, cities tend to lead the way on this stuff. I think outside of the big cities, I think I'd meet a lot of people just like me who just yes. want to be left alone. Yeah. They love, they love their guns. They love their, uh, small government. Um, they love nature mm -hmm. and living off the land and deciding how they want to live their own lives. Mm -hmm. Um, who, who aren't scared of climate change, who aren't scared of, um, COVID. I think outside of the big cities, I think uh, rural Quebecers and the vast majority of Albertans, we would be of the same mind on very many things. And I think Quebecers were early adopters of telling the feds to get out of our business, rightly or wrongly. Um, and some of us are playing catch up. Mm -hmm. I think Montreal is mostly left. It's probably why and Montreal have like the most populated like city. So it's probably why yes. like people like think that Quebec is a tendency on, on the left. But I think uh, if you go outside of Montreal, a lot of people are from the, the right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and you look at uh, the federal government's attacks on the resource industry, they came for forestry first. So, mm -hmm. and, and that's a huge industry in Quebec. Um, and so I think we, I think we understand each other. We're just not good at talking to each other. And there's a language barrier in between the middle of us. Um, and we also have the media that wants us to stay apart. Uh, you know, it, we're easier to control divided. And I think, uh, the feds and the media know that. I love Alberta. I love the people there. <laughs> you did it right in. You do really well here. You'd be so, you'd be so exotic. <laughs> Ooh, I should go. <laughs> However, we do have like French speaking communities here, you know, like where we have our road signs in, in French, just outside oh. of the city. Yeah. Legal, nice. Beaumont, there's lots of places like that. And in the North, lots of French uh, communities up there. So, you know, you would do very, very well, but yeah, like one of these oil patch downs, they'd be crawling all over <laughs> themselves to get to you. <laughs> for <Ooh>. sure <laughs> coming tomorrow just, just nothing nothing but marriage proposals for sure um <laughs> we are 20 minutes uh past the top of the hour guys in the studio do we do we have any more chats or are we all caught up okay great 
Um, I guess that's the show for today. We went a little bit over time. Alexa, thanks uh, for being my co-host today and being so uh, good tempered when I talk too much. I like it, me. I told you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks to everybody in studio and who works behind the scenes to make sure the show's ready to go and available whenever our viewers want to see it. Thanks to everybody who tunes in. Thanks to everybody who sort of engages in the civil civil discourse of the chats. Um, and thanks to everybody who pitches in uh, in the paid chats to keep the lights on here at Rebel News. Um, I think for the next couple of days, we're just still working remotely. Our, our construction timelines, as they tend to do, um, are a little bit um, wonky. Um, but we'll make sure that we have a live stream for you somehow, some way. Um, and as David Menzies always says, stay sane. Stay sane. <laughs>